welcome back to Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation. Uh, my name is Caleb, and we're here today with Adam and Rhiannon, our usual hosting trio. If you are listening to us for the first time, which I hope that some of you are, uh, and you're looking for a professional and intelligent and enjoyable podcast, we're hoping to produce at least one of those three things for you. <laughs> How are you guys doing? Not as good as you, man. You went, uh, we should talk about that. You kind of went viral there a little bit, man. You're, uh, went Nico Damas on us or whatever. <laughs> Nicodemus. <laughs> Nicodemus, yeah. Caleb, Cle- Caleb, Caleb yeah. Adonis. <laughs> so what, what, what defines viral, right? Like, I don't want to like prematurely claim viral. How many, how many retweets do you got to get into before it's like... Viral. I think it's like a, a ratio thing compared with your followers and like if you get more likes or retweets than you have followers that's yeah I think that's more yeah I think it's like whenever you're getting massive interaction beyond what you normally get it's a sliding thing it's not like hey this is viral you know well I have added like 20 or 30 percent followers and Usually I tweet something out and I get two likes and like this morning I did a couple WandaVision tweets and I got 20 and I was like, oh, this is a little weird. This is actually making me uncomfortable. People are actually paying attention to the stupid things that I say online. I think I got like one, one additional follower from your fame. So your coattails aren't, um, that long. Well, seriously, if, (laughs) yeah, for real, if if you guys are listening for the first time, we're glad you're here. We do this podcast, uh, just so you know, mostly because the three of us really enjoy doing it. And so if you enjoy listening to it, that is just, that's bonus for us because we just do it because we like it. So if you're wondering what we're talking about, um, longtime listeners of the podcast will remember that way back, and I need to maybe go get the audio. It may be spliced in here or I maybe got lazy. But when we talked about Spider-Man Far From Home, we said, hey, what might the sequel be titled? And I said, oh, I think it'll be Spider-Man No Way Home. And that was just a dumb guess based on the fact that it's three syllables, on the fact it made sense to the plot, that it had the word home in it. Well, lo and behold, almost two years later, Marvel gave us a title this week, and I was correct. And so, yay, but more importantly, we finally know that it's called Spider-Man No Way Home. So what are you guys thinking? Are you excited about this title? Was it worth the wait? Your thoughts on Spider-Man? Well, since uh, Kevin Feige does listen to this podcast, I, I beg him to hire me for the MCU yeah. story group, please. Uh, it, we we have to... I don't want to get into it because I'll get too frustrated with the 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 marketing and, and all the stuff behind it but I, I think it was great and why do we care so much about the name you know everyone's just I, yeah i mean like the name doesn't I, I i like the tone of it though i have to say no way home i like like the uh the i mean we're definitely far from being i mean Think back to Homecoming when we thought the theme for each movie would be like some high school milestone and this little like happy go lucky. And now we're at No Way Home. And it's like, I enjoy that theme. It's not what I think most Spider Man fans want in a theme because I'm all about the dark and gritty, like, give me all the emo Spider Man. Uh, 
stuff. But, um, so I think there really is like, if we go back and look at that whole journey, a change in the tone that this represents. Yeah. I think it's very intentional. And it's part of the reason that I thought that it could be the title is because there's like this escalation. Homecoming is very like welcoming and Hey, he's back in the MCU celebration. And then far from home is like, Oh, he's growing up and he's starting to, to, you know, go into new, new venues and new avenues of life. And then no way home is like, Oh, this is severe. And to me, it just makes sense. Like I always imagined him seeing that news report. What does he do after he drops MJ off at Madison square garden? Like he can't swing home. He can't go back to Aunt May's. It's probably crawling with federal agents by the time he gets there. Like he literally can't go home after the end of Far From Home. So it just really kicks off to me the you know the the logical progression there of his his journey, so to speak. So since it gets more and more serious each movie, so Spider Man Four is going to be like Spider Man. I can't go home because I'm dead, or. No, no. So it's life, death, and rebirth. So Spider-Man New Home. Spider-Man, you know, there's No Way Home. And then there's Spider-Man, you know, creating a new home or something. I love I love the discussion about Spider-Man names when, like, Guardians is just like, hey, Guardians Volume 2, here you go. They started with a playlist. Guardians 3 could have a different name. It could be Guardians Remix. To be fair, No Way Home is better than Spider-Man number eight, but kind of number three. (laughs) I don't know. At least that's humorous. I do think if they continue on in the MCU, um, we probably will get a new type of title beyond this. Like, I think Marvel does think in trilogies, Thor is our first MCU movie to ever go to a fourth one. And so... Uh, well, that's not true. I guess Avengers is technically a fourth as well, but it seems like Marvel has a lot of trilogy thinking, so it would not surprise me if this is our last home title for Spider-Man. Perhaps we don't know that uh, they're doing more after this with all of what Tom Holland said he was doing. But didn't Tom Holland like say that he would totally be doing more Spider- or totally wanted to do more Spider- I don't know. He just says words. They don't have meaning. I think that's a whole discussion here. Do Tom Holland's words have meaning? Do any words have meaning? Some words have meaning. <laughs> We're now devolving into a podcast on deconstruction, you know, deconstruction and post-structuralism or whatever. I, I do think he seems to... Holland loves doing this. Like, there's been a lot of actors that we've had in the MCU who we weren't sure how they felt. Like, Gwyneth Paltrow, it seems like, can hardly be bothered to do a Marvel movie. More specifically, Chris Evans kind of has given the feeling like he wanted a break and wanted to direct more. Um, RDJ seems to be comfortable ending the Iron Man journey at this point. But Holland is like, no, I want to do it. And he kind of said that he enjoys having the paycheck and like the, the confidence that he has a job coming in the next two years. We've talked on this podcast before. If you're a big time actor, these Marvel gigs are great because it's a paycheck once every two or three years. And then you can go ahead and go do something like Paul Bettany. I mean, his entire career, the way he talks about it, has been kind of lengthened by the the Iron Man paycheck that kind of kept him in the business when people were telling him to quit. And so it does seem that that Tom wants to be back and he wants to keep the team together. And I think the only thing about those comments that was interesting is that he wants to keep John Watts 
it strikes me that if Watts is doing Fantastic Four, and if that goes as well as we might hope, um, there's very little likelihood that we'll actually see Watts doing any more Spider-Man films for a while because Watts is busy with Fantastic Four. Uh, that's not... I mean, he could bounce back between Fantastic Four and Spider-Man all the time, right? I mean, he hasn't written any of the Spider-Man scripts. All he does is you show up to set and they're going to be writing the next movie when he films this one. I mean, talk about the most secure job in the world. But Sony likes to put Spidey films out every 24 months. And best, best, best case scenario, if Watts was switching back and forth with Fantastic Four and Spidey, we'd have to be at least three, if not four year gaps between Spider-Man films. So it could work. Because we still have Jackpot and Nightwatch coming, so they're going to have to stay around eventually. <laughs> the Jackpot movie is still on? I'd forgotten that even existed. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're getting it sometime. we got to manifest it, man. The Jack Jackpot, I don't even know if that's the right thing. It is Jackpot, right? Uh, I think so. I think that's... Is that a character? I don't know if, even if it's a character. I don't know. They're making a movie. But, yeah, Jackpot. That's the... If we don't get press access to Jackpot, I mean, we might as well just quit the quit the podcast. Well, and it's worth mentioning that Spider-Man does, uh, Spider-Man, Tom Holland does have one more Marvel movie on his contract, uh, according to what we've heard in the press. And uh, Michael T. Ford was even saying maybe Spider-Man's in the Fantastic Four movie. It's not the most natural fit to me, but I mean, he does have to show up for at least one more MCU, so... He's been in the Fantastic Four before. Yeah, as the replacement. I just feel like replacement Fantastic Four would be a pretty quick place to go in their first movie. But So almost simultaneously with hearing No Way Home, we also got a release date for Loki, which is uh, June 11th is the first day of Loki. We had previously been told by Marvel that it was going to be May. Uh, Rhiannon, are you a little disappointed that we have a delay there or is it just i mean i'm disappointed but it's a one month delay and after what we went through in 2020 who cares about a month um you know whatever i have a lot going on at the end of may so give me some time to just sort of relax and watch in june um probably famous last words i'll end up slammed in june but um I was about to say, you're almost manifesting I'm, a hurricane I'm to hit some Manifesting, you know, I mean, I'm planning to move in May, so, like, I'm probably manifesting everything to go wrong in the moving process, and, uh, uh, and just everything just now went up in the air so it could hit the fan. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I but it, sound, it seems like they are going with that, uh, you know, where they finish one series, and is there, like, a one week off, and then Loki starts... Is that does that seem to be our pattern now? No, so this one is weird because um, Falcon and Winter Soldier ends like the like third or fourth uh, Friday know. of April. I have to pull up the calendar, and then we'll have a full month between yeah Black Widow and yeah. So here I'll pull up a calendar. Let's see, one, two, three. Four, five. So yeah, if if we have only six episodes of Falcon Winter Soldier, which is what we've heard, it'll end on the twenty third of April. There'll be nothing on the thirtieth of April. Black Widow is scheduled right now for May seventh, and then there'll be no more MCU content for one, two, three, four, five weeks until June eleventh. 
Well, th- there will be the uh, assembled thing on between Falcon and Winter Soldier and Black Widow. So there'll be something. But this backloads the year, doesn't it? Four shows in six months? Well, it really does. I mean, particularly if what if it's ten episodes we've heard, and if it's one episode a week, then it means that it will pretty swiftly be Loki, what if, Miss Marvel, Hawkeye. Um, and some of that we don't know what the the episode runs are for Miss Marvel or Hawkeye. I kind of just guess that Miss Marvel would be 10 and Hawkeye would be 6 based on sort of what I expect those shows to be, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, but however they do it, yeah, it, it does make the, the back half almost nonstop. Yeah, that is a weird delay because I just assumed it was being delayed so that it would would fit in, you know, just like continuous shows all the time. Um, there was also the theory that they delayed it to give the Star Wars property, the the Bad Batch property, some time, like to be in the spotlight. Uh, but maybe all of the production delays and everything on Loki meant they actually needed a little bit more time to finalize it. Yeah, they just did reshoots, didn't they? I think I saw that somewhere where they just picked up some additional photography. Mm. That was Twitter, though. So some some maybe stuff on was, Twitter. Maybe is it true. was. Maybe it was Reddit. Yeah, like like the no way some no stuff way is. title. Um, yeah. I do think uh, Rihanna. It's that bad batch thing to me is really interesting because at the TCAs this week, Television Critic Association things yeah i don't know you did good that we call them the tcas but there's no word at the end like i feel like it should be the tcams like television critic association meetings or something yeah it doesn't make sense the, well they have like yeah, uh, yeah but that's are, not yeah, the, yeah, upfronts yeah, are different upfronts are. are where they're trying to sell ad space yeah that's like in may yeah. i mean they go on they're normally this time of year but they're the a completely separate thing then? completely separate audience but the TCAs were this week, and this is where we got a lot of this. It was interesting that Disney Plus kind of put out a slate of their stuff. And when this is where we heard about Loki, and it's where we heard about Bad Batch. We also heard about other things, like uh, my eldest kiddo loves the Mysterious Benedict Society. And so like they gave a, a release date for that, and she was pumped. Uh, we got Turner and Hooch when that's coming out for all of us that remember the first Turner and Hooch. But anyway, it is, we've talked a lot about, will Star Wars and Marvel overlap or not? And we said, well, they'll have to if they start producing the volume that they're talking about. But this decision on Loki feels like them going, okay, we don't have enough volume that we have to overlap. So let's not. Like, I think there's going to be some Bad Batch Loki overlap, but they certainly have minimized it. By starting Bad Batch on May 4th, there's going to be two episodes of it that first week. And so Bad Batch will be into episode 8 of probably 10, maybe 12, maybe 8, right about the time Loki starts. And so I don't, it seems hard to believe that's a mistake. Because I'm a fan who's in Disney Plus 4, Star Wars, and Marvel. And so it totally would keep me hooked if I wasn't already hooked for other reasons. Right, but then that's going to change in December, unless Hawkeye ends in the earliest parts of December before Boba Fett kicks off, or unless Hawkeye's delayed. I totally agree. I think 
I think that there will come a day where they can't not overlap because of volume. I just think that's not where we're at yet. There's just not enough production on the Lucasfilm side for that to be an issue yet. So right. why not? It's a, it's a no-lose situation for for Disney to get to a spot where they have something every month. Um, I mean, you're you're never going to see a decline in subscribers or anything. You know, you have to get that that stuff from month to month to month and. Well, and speaking of month-to-month, the other interesting-ish thing for Marvel people is though we have a gap now where we thought Loki would be, uh, MODOK is going to kind of fill that gap. That show is hitting on Hulu on May 21st, so it'll be like right in the middle of that uh, hole, so to speak. Um, I think because it's Hulu, it's all dropping at once. I don't know if that's been confirmed. It is, yeah. Ten episodes. So, do you guys see yourselves binge watching uh, ten episodes of Modoc when it comes out, or uh, you just you're going to be too busy moving, Rhiannon? <laughs> I'm going to be busy moving, <laughs> or packing, or painting, or I mean, I'll, I, I. So, it's been interesting as far as like the binging. Like on Hulu, I was super excited about Animaniacs, and the new Animaniacs on Hulu is really good. I keep forgetting, like, you know, I watched a few episodes, I don't know, like, it's not like I want to sit and watch 10 episodes of Animaniacs, like, it's there, and occasionally I go to it, um, I actually, I used it over the holidays, because my dad really loves it, so, like, whenever I realized we were watching the news, I was like, let's watch Animaniacs instead, um, and I see MODOK as sort of being that same, not necessarily with my dad, but being something that's like, okay, I need something completely different now. I'm going to go watch a couple episodes of MODOK um, to to get through. But I, it doesn't feel like, I mean, will there be a 10-episode arc of MODOK that we want to desperately see how it resolves that keeps us there for 10 episodes? Do you guys think we're going to have something like that? Yeah, I think it, I mean, it's dealing like, what's it, the teaser said something about his bankruptcy? Or something. I don't think it's like the the SpongeBob of the world, or even like the Rick and Morty, where it's episodic. Um, that's the right verbiage, right? Episodic versus sequential, or yeah, yeah, episodic you know. versus um, something serialized. 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 There we go. I knew it was S. Um, oh, I, this is the thing that it sucks because are we getting more? You know, probably not. But at the same time, it's like Marvel's the biggest pop culture brand on the face of the planet. And we should have the the diversification in terms of format or medium or whatever you want to call it, right? I mean, everything now is made by Marvel Studios and it's it's just going to have that same feel, you know? To me, it's totally just how well it does. I mean, I could be wrong, but it's so far from the MCU. It's claymation. Like, it's obviously Patton Oswalt's voice, you know? Like, it's just, it's it's fun, and it's silly, and it's animated, and so... it's a. I mean, it's a brilliant story idea and stuff like that, and and MODOK, and Mr. Sinister's in it, and all sorts of other... Darkhawk's not in it, Jordan Bloom... Said Darkhawk's not in it this week, so that's a bummer. Um, I hope it is, man. I mean, the response has been generally positive so far. 
compared to the uh, last Marvel thing Hulu released. So that's a little bit refreshing to see. Well, to me, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but to me it would be like Disney XD being like, hey, we'd like to do a new Spider-Man cartoon or a new Guardians cartoon. And Kevin Feige being like, no, I don't want to see a Guardians cartoon on Disney XD because I don't want it messing with our movies. Like, that's just foolishness. Right, but haven't they already stopped? I mean, they have Moon Girl and, and Devil Dinosaur, but that was in development for a while but like didn't like maximum venom or whatever that cartoon get have most of their cartoons stopped but now spidey's still gotten ongoing is it well it's a good segue though to another conversation because this week disney insider scooped that the big hero six characters were coming to the mcu and live action maybe in agents of atlas and then like hours later one of the trades debunked the the report saying that it would cause too much brand confusion. Uh, I have many thoughts about what went down here, but I'm interested in your all's thoughts before I blather on. <laughs> they're, they're in the business of scoop busted out. Entertainment Weekly did something uh, very similar. I can't remember what o- Emma Watson retiring. We've heard Big Hero 6 before, right? Baymax and Funko, and Marvel Legends, and all that stuff. It just makes sense, right? It just makes sense to put a character like that reimagined for the animated property into as many eyes as possible. I mean, Big Hero 6 did perfectly fine the way it was, right? At least box office-wise, it won an Oscar. But it makes sense. But uh, the reason they're not doing it is because of brand confusion. I just don't see Modoc being the villain of Ant-Man 3 if, you know, he's coming out now. Because they could have canceled it and laid off everyone as they've done recently. I didn't have strong feelings about all of that. I thought it was interesting to see your thoughts, Caleb, um, on, on the very quick debunking Yeah, I mean, to me, that's the major thing, because you read that trade report, and it is clear someone from Marvel saw the Disney Insider scoop, which that's a whole nother subject of how closely Disney watches the scoopers. Like, you can try to belittle them all you want, but Disney is paying attention to what hits Twitter. And the fact that Disney felt the need to run to to a trade to debunk a rumor like, like, we got this covered drops rumors like this like four times a day and disney doesn't blink but this one happens that's a a sign of respect for disney insider you know like they're clearly a different caliber in in disney's mind but furthermore it makes me think that it might be true because there's just no reason like if they had just ignored it we were about to get the like it was literally hours before the spider-man hype started just let it go. Like you don't have to say anything and everyone will forget that it happened. Why? Like as somebody who kind of works in this industry, Adam, is it, is it weird to you that they would choose to squash a rumor like this? You bring up a good point with, we got this cover and I, I do agree. I mean, uh, Skylar and, and Derek, um, I think that's who dropped the big hero six. I mean, they've, they've landed plenty of Disney scoops before. Um, not too many major Marvel ones, but I mean, it's 
it's all Disney at one point or another. I mean, each time you see Boris post something in Heat Vision or, you know, the Kroll incoming bombs or what have you, I mean, there is a, a certain level of coordination between the the studio and the press. I mean, it, there just is. If Disney didn't want something to get out, it would not get out. That's probably why no trades have run um what Murphy's Multiverse did with with Charlie Cox being in Spider-Man 3, you know. Um yeah. I mean, he is, right? I mean, at this point he very probably likely is. Um so yeah, I mean, if Disney doesn't want to, this is just the it's just bizarre to see. Um, I'm not sure they have any plans because I don't think Disney would come back and say that they don't have plans if they did. You know, they would do a no commenter or something. Well, the one thing though that Disney insiders pointed to, and is true from my recollection. They said that there was going to be a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids something coming out and that Rick Moranis was coming back for it. Disney did the same thing. They ran to a trade and within a day or two, there was a no, there's no plans for that comment. And then like a week or two later, Disney announced a Honey, I Shrunk the Kids thing in a trade with Rick Moranis returning. Like they literally were planning it. Disney Insider caught it. They denied it to a trade, and then they announced it in a trade all within about two weeks of each other. Which, you know, I I don't get why they play the game. Yeah, I mean, it could very well be the fact that when it came out, it wasn't a done deal. And this the stuff moves exceptionally fast, and maybe they heard that there were talks in place and no one wanted to um, count the chickens before they hatch, you know? Well, and it does impact those negotiations. I mean, if you're trying to get Rick Moranis on board and suddenly his agent can point at, hey, you know, this breaking in the news just broke Twitter or whatever, then it really does sort of change those negotiations. Um, And I mean, I think that's what everything comes down to having a dollar figure on it. I don't remember if I talked about this before. Like, I once was doing work in like the land development side of the world where I was working with a chain of drugstores and there was something where like DOT was taking down their sign and they had a dollar figure attached to a sign at the road in front of their store that they could present, you know, like if DOT wants us to take our sign down, that's worth $30,000 a month in business. You know, corporations attach a dollar figure to everything. So like asides, like whatever dollar figure of this news breaking this week versus next, I imagine there's also, I mean, like Deadline probably has a dollar figure of that scoop, you know, like running that scoop of the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids sequel is probably worth a certain amount to Deadline. And there's business relationships there, too, that Disney's probably trying to preserve. I'm thinking about any kind of rights there might be around Baymax, because Baymax obviously is Marvel property and was created by Marvel. But the version in the cartoon is very distinct and different from what was in the comics. And I imagine they would want the Disney version in an MCU property because of how popular it's been. And so, like, is there somebody in the Disney art department that has some kind of rights or credit for that design of Baymax? 
or did they sign it all off like Jack Kirby and Stan Lee did back in the day to Marvel? Like, it's just interesting to me that if they bring in a Disney version of Baymax, is there someone who has to get paid for their iteration of the character being used instead of the Marvel iteration of the character? Does that make sense? Yeah, I wouldn't think so. As recent as the movie was, I wouldn't think... I mean, it's the type of thing you work for us. Anything you create is ours type of deal. Like, I can't see Andy Park making something in in the visual department at Marvel Studios and being like, no, man, I, I own this Nova helmet. You can't use this, you know? Yeah. I guess to me it's just, it's, and this is like a lawyer question, but at what point is someone creating something versus redesigning something? Because you look at like the weird, like reptilian, he almost looks like the, uh, the Starjammer Chode, like the Baymax in the original comics. And then you look to like a medical robot with this white pillowy marshmallow design. It's just, it has the same name, but it's not the same thing. You know, this is not remotely the same Baymax. Right. Totally, totally. I mean, we see it in Marvel Comics all the time, man. They create new characters all the time. They just created a new Max Beatland, not, not just a couple of years ago, the Sun God thing and, and Moon Knight, right? I mean, it happens all the time, every damn comic, really. But... All right, the last bit of news that I almost forgot was this week, because it happened, I think, right after we finished recording. Uh, the Daily Mail or Daily Telegraph or both... We're reporting that Jennifer Lawrence was headed to Australia to film some movie and then join Fantastic Four, which was going to film in Australia. Uh, obviously, people had feelings about this. Uh, I'm interested, you know, Rhiannon, would you like to see J-Law as Sue Storm? And what do you think of just the, the legitimacy of the report overall? I think it's unimaginative. I mean, I... I when cool thing about Marvel that I feel like they've sort of gotten away from in this latest batch of hiring was that they would find the diamonds in the rough, the new up and coming star or whatever, and put them, you know, a lot of these people that we think of as Marvel stars, and I've said this recently too, but they didn't start off as stars. They were unknowns. Like Tom Hiddleston was unknown when he was cast. Like Hemsworth didn't have much of a career when he was cast as Thor and all of that. So taking these A-listers that have been around for a long time and even like start as other Marvel characters and to reboot and to bring them in as, you know, Sue Storms, you know, whoever plays Sue Storm, to me, the important part of that is that is the best actress that can be Sue Storm ever. I don't feel like you need an A-lister. I mean, I feel like you need A-list quality but I, I sort of miss the days where they brought in like new people that we didn't know. I mean, to to shine. So for that reason, I didn't get too excited about it. But I also don't hate J Law, and I mean, I think she would be fine at it. Um, I I think it seems pretty fast to be casting a Sue Storm, but time makes no sense to me anymore. I mean, this early of a casting would mean she's in something else. And if she's heading to Australia, she's probably in Thor Love and Thunder. But this is also the type of thing that wasn't debunked yet. Like, the Daily Mail was the Emma Watson retirement thing, I think. And Entertainment Weekly quickly did that. Um, 
or was it? I can't remember. It's just all the days blur together and all the the news blurs together. So, well, you, I think you say something helpful though, Adam. We have had a lot of MCU castings in the last five years. Have we ever gotten one through a British tabloid? Is how we found out about something. I have no idea. <laughs> Maybe I, I have no idea. I. Yeah, I don't know. Um, it makes sense. Like uh, we know who Ironheart is. There's there is little chance she doesn't appear in anything before Ironheart. You know, uh, I mean, we've talked. Uh, we've talked to people who have been cast, and they're on the plane the next day. You know, they get the call and they have to go out the door and drop what they're doing. You know, it's just. Um, yeah, if they're cast this early, if if it's true, I mean she she's going to be in something else before Fantastic Four. Either that or Fantastic Four is much, much, much further along than we anticipate. Maybe John Watts does have a script already, you know. So I said I talked about this some on Twitter, like the part of this report that makes no sense, and I think is just it almost has to be wrong unless there's major issues that we don't understand. They're very clear in the report that Fantastic Four is filming soon and at least by soon sometime this year. That just doesn't make any sense. I mean, we've got movies that are already currently filming like Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder. And, you know, obviously those movies are finished like Eternals and Black Widow. But then we have movies that are like close to filming like we know Ryan Coogler is in place and he's got a script and they're making decisions and that's supposed to start, you know, filming according to the trades this summer. We know that Captain Marvel 2 is starting to spool up and they've done some casting recently and they've got a director in place. We know Ant-Man Quantumania, uh, we think, shot some plates or something uh, in Turkey in the last week or two. And so they're really starting to get going uh, James Gunn has been clear that 2021 will be the year that they start filming Guardians of the Galaxy 3, and they'll have to because they're doing the holiday special that's due in December of 2022. So, like, you put the schedule together, and you got Doctor Strange next March. You've got Thor next May. You got Black Panther next July. You've got Captain Marvel next November. And then Guardians probably fills in that May slot and Ant-Man is further along. So we think probably like that spring 2023 slot. So you're already to July 2023 before they can like put out Fantastic Four. And the, the idea that they would start shooting the movie like more than two years in advance of it coming out. It's just not how Marvel has historically worked. And it's just it would be very odd for them to jump that that movie in the queue up ahead of all this other stuff that they've gotten rolling. So, but like you brought up earlier, it would not be odd for them to introduce the character in a much earlier movie. Yeah. And so it could be that the report is half correct. Right. Right. Um, speaking of movies in development, I'm going to call it here and now that by this time next week, we know a blade director and a blade release date. You have to tweet it if you want the credit, man. I was about to no. say. Oh, I'm just going to call it right here and right now. We're, <laughs> we're, we're going to get a Blade director and release date this week. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, 
you know, it's just reading tea leaves, but Charles Murphy retweeted an article they did about why Blade would make sense in October of 2022, just randomly the other day. He doesn't tend to do that unless he's heard something that's coming up that will confirm that he's right. He's not going to like draw attention to something he got wrong. <laughs> All right, let's talk about WandaVision episode eight. This was really creepy. So once I had made my, um, my prediction on the Spider-Man movie and that came out, our friends over at cinema Joe's said, what will the title of this, this tonight's uh, WandaVision be titled? And I was like, previously on, because they use like TV-ish terms and I've been predicting for a couple weeks now that this would be like the flashback of how it all happened episode. <laughs> and I was totally right. And I'd also dropped a blue Marvel like little teaser just to mess around. If he had actually shown up, I was afraid that people were going to come after me with pitchforks for just like spoiling stuff. So, uh, but nonetheless, it was called Previously On. And as we talked about last week, it was the flashback episode. Uh, what'd you guys think of episode eight? I have frustrations. I, I I'm just gonna like I, I have spent. So this is the first episode that I watched the one. Well, one, I just happened to wake up at three a.m. So I watched it in the middle of the night on my phone at three a.m. when everybody else did. I haven't had any desire to go back and watch it again. Um, while I think there were very cool things in this episode, and I think the emotional arc of showing all of Wanda's loss was very, um, yeah, you know, they did an amazing job with that i i all of the little mysteries that we've had throughout the season i'm i'm just calling a big old bs on on what they presented to us in this episode like it's it's incongruent it's um hand wavy it doesn't make sense and I'm really just hoping the next episode makes me feel better. Do you, and if you want me to air my grievances, just... No, I, so I'm interested. What did you feel like was was hand-wavy? I think that was the word I find very interesting. Um, so, I mean, I think, like, the whole witch... And like I said, I've only watched it that one time in the middle of the night. Um, you know, just like, I'm a very powerful witch, and I'm just here because I'm curious about all your powers. Like... No, you're not, woman. Like, I, 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 are you absorbing, you know, she clearly absorbs powers. So, like, are you there to absorb her powers and become a more powerful witch yourself? Um, you know, all of this, you know, so, like, one, just the whole exposition dump episode, to me, that's one hand wave. Like, I need to know how you're doing this. Like, and now we have this episode. Um, I think... Wanda, it just being like, oh, no, it really was just Wanda had her grief and poof, out of her breaking heart, we have WandaVision. Um, you know, I feel like some of those were just like a little too hand wavy. Um, I I think there were a lot of things set up in the previous episode that or in previous episodes like. Okay, so Wanda didn't steal Vision. Why did Hayward fake that she stole Vision? Why did he need to lie about that? Like, what is his situation? And, I mean, that little tag at the end wasn't enough to me to justify why he hid that whole situation. Um, if he was building this tool, that would be a vision that could go in and do the fighting. 
why would he need to hide that? Why, you know, there's there's far more questions there. Um, additionally, in the hand waviness, like just sort of, um, you know, the boys just happen to not be there. You know, uh, Agatha. I mean, I even like went back and have frustrations from the previous episode. Why did Agatha need to hide her name? The name Agatha means nothing to. It means nothing. So why did Agatha need to be Agnes? Yeah, not for the show. That was for us. That was a fan thing, not a a plot thing. (laughs) Unless an educated witch. I mean, unless she assumed that uh, Wanda was far more educated in witchery than she was. You know, maybe she assumes she was educated in witchery and therefore would know about Agatha Harkness, the amazing witch that, I don't know, steals your children and keeps a creepy book in her basement. Um, I don't know. To me, there were a lot of frustrations. Uh, there were, you know, where were Pietro and, uh, Monica or Fiat? My friends have been calling him, so fake Pietro. So he's Fiatro. Um. Yeah. Agnes calls him that. Oh, does she? Okay. All right. Where's Fiatro? Where's, you know, like, there are a lot of loose ends, y'all. So my mm-hmm. guess for the next episode is that the title is To Be Continued. Oh, okay. I like that. That's my guess for the next episode. Uh, so that's the thing. I think I agree with every single thing you said, but I love the episode. It's probably my <laughs> second favorite. <laughs> there's there's so much stuff going on. There's... I talked about the Sony marketing earlier, but now Marvel's getting into that with their storytelling, which I think is a very dangerous slope to be on. They shouldn't rely on that type of stuff. Like the aerospace engineer, it's nobody. Nobody's going to show up. Nobody's going to show up, and they dedicated screen time to setting up the aerospace engineer and the texts and all that stuff, and it ended up being nobody that's probably going to matter okay but let me push back a little on that adam did they set up that much time to the aerospace engineer i don't think they did or did they give it eight seconds oh that's eight seconds you know how little the runtime is the way it is (laughs) that's true (laughs) you know how i mean every every frame should count i mean you look at you look at what James Gunn says and all these filmmakers said, and every single frame of something should either push the plot forward or should mean something, right? In the end, it really didn't. I mean, to me, they did what they would have to do if some of her friends were going to bring her the buggy to go into the hex. Like, they couldn't have done any less. She couldn't have just, like, been out in a car with Jimmy and then go, oh, look, some of my friends that magically appeared. Like, they had to set it up some way. I just think, I think there's unintended consequences where there are things that are not significant in this show that Marvel did just because they felt like it was necessary to tell a story or it was a little joke. I think Ralph, as, like, the spouse of Agnes, is another example They're like, oh, hey, we could make it like she had this husband like Cliff had on Cheers. How fun would that be? That'd be a send up to sitcoms. And the Internet's like, here's a 45 minute video of who Ralph really is. And I just don't think they intended it. It just it took on its own. I don't know. But I think everything uh, has intention. There's as I'm without the level of detail and like uh, 
there's another viral thing about how one of the extras in Doctor Strange came back for Endgame because there's this mythos or speculation that it's going to end up being someone in Doctor Strange 2 who's actually been there all along. Or so. I mean, the level of detail is there. And I, I realize it's um, easily part of the digital media landscape and fans creating something. But at the same time, could you imagine if someone else pulled this stuff that wasn't Marvel Studios, it would be, uh, it would be a criticism. You know, everyone would hate it. Like if, if Aquaman pulled something like this and didn't answer, everyone would be like, what the hell? So, I mean, at least with like the aerospace engineer, there, there's merit to people at least questioning why, why that was necessary. Is it fan disservice? You know, like it's, it doesn't do anything to help move the story forward. Well, but to me, I mean, so if I knew nothing about the comics and all of that, and that was some of my big complaints about this episode, is that I feel like a lot of it, like, if you know the comics and all that, you're like, oh, that really means this, or that means this, and there is... But if you don't know the comics, her talking about an aerospace engineer makes sense, and it doesn't feel frivolous. It's, okay, we need an aerospace engineer to make this thing. But if you don't know the comics, that book, in, or the other movies, that book in Agnes's basement, who cares? The, you know, there's a lot of little things that are just sort of out there and, and have no meaning if you're not deep in the mythos. Which was the best part of episode eight. There's so much stuff. Like, we're not going to get answers on the coven or why the lady had the blue crown or what the hell the different colors of magics are or anything. That stuff's not going to be answered. Hopefully there's like this witch show or WandaVision season two or the Agatha spinoff that's just like Boba Fett or something but they introduced so much stuff this up ep- they answered some but they introduced so much that won't even come close to being touched I feel like the color thing has some more explanation that I, I just think it's weird people aren't talking about we've had a purple magic wielding person in the MCU and it's Cassilius. And to me, it actually makes Wanda or Agatha's motivations really make sense. Cassilius was a magician who was studying with the Ancient One. And it's kind of like the Jeff Goldblum thing. Like, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. But Cassilius, philosophically, is of the position that, no, if you can do it, you should do it. You should learn everything you can learn there is about magic. There shouldn't be any kind of forbidden knowledge. And that's the whole conflict of Cassilius and the Ancient One in Doctor Strange. Now we have Agatha showing up and she's being burned at the stake because she's pursuing forbidden magics that aren't allowed to be studied and she has purple magic just like Cassilius has purple magic. To me, her and Cassilius are the same cloth. Like, dark magic users or people that delve into the stuff you're not supposed to mess with are signified by purple magic in the MCU and to me, Agatha is, makes a lot of sense if she is a similar individual to Cassilius as far as what she's pursuing. And so the reason she has Wanda is Wanda did something she doesn't know how she did it. And the only thing Agatha cares about is you did it and I don't know how. And it bothers me when somebody doesn't let me know how something works in the world of magic. Okay, so so back on that whole idea. I mean, like, and I get that. I, I, I understood the episode. I understood the logic that they put forth. 
Um, I'm just disappointed by it. But so there's this massive magical event happening and it gets Agatha's attention from wherever she normally lives. But it doesn't get strange. It doesn't get all the other dark magic users. It doesn't get, right. uh, you know... I'm calling BS, so, y'all. That, that's another Unless thing I'd Benedict like to get Benedict shows in. up next week. He's, sure. He has to. I don't understand how he does. At, he doesn't at this point. So, I mean, was was Agatha simply living in Westview and this happened, and now she's curious because she thought um, that this was a myth, so she's investigating now? Or did Wanda create the hex and Agatha came in later, right? We don't have an answer to that unless I missed it. I think what's really hard, so I've been watching Screen Crush, the YouTube channel, like he does a great breakdown every week, and his read of last week's episode was that Agnes was attracted to it, so she moved to the town, and that she just kind of found the witch cellar in the basement of the house next door, and he's like, if that's the case, there's someone else involved. There is no way that it's just coincidence that Vision bought a house next door to a house and she has a she had a line where she's like i was uh this place was amazing based on all the incantations that have happened here and i thought she was talking about westview and what wanda did but screen crush acted like it was the house that agnes lives in and that agnes was drawn to it because that was a center for magic for years Oh, see, I just assumed that Agnes moved in the house and then she made it the devil's basement. Yeah, because she said the rune thing. Yeah, that she much. that yeah. she put the runes there. That she that that was just how Agnes travels. Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, I, I, he could be wrong, but the screen crush guy suggests that no, some of that was built in. Like she may have put the runes in, but she like generally the evil basement was there in the house because it was a place that witches had used historically throughout the centuries. If that's the case, then I think we've got another shoe to drop next week. So I'm glad you saw. I, I wrote about last night. I wrote about perhaps Agatha and Dormammu. I didn't know Kaecilius had purple magic. Yeah, I mean, like the, certainly the eyes flake purple. Oh, the eyes, yeah. And I so, want to say, doesn't he make purple stuff with his hand? I don't know. I'm watching. I don't think, uh, but he does make the uh, that weird looking sign and then the thing in his forehead he does do like a rune thing i think that's red which I, that's the type is that a level of detail is caecilius actually using chaos magic to summon dormammu like is the mcu that big brain detail because i think it is red i'm not sure maybe i'm misspoken and it's orange or something but i think it might be red and also if we're talking chaos in the mcu don't we already have an agent of chaos in the mcu that has his own show coming up this summer. Who's a magician, frankly. A wizard of some sort. Yeah. 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 An agent of chaos. A, a god of chaos. I was like, oh, we don't need another chaotic energy. I mean, I guess, you know, nobody can control how much chaotic energy you have. And it would be very 2021. But, I, yeah. There, I, there's, there's a lot. The, but and that's the thing the MCU is essentially its own very own comic book universe and we're seeing it more and more i mean there's so many ideas and concepts introduced through WandaVision that some an entirely new writers room can pick up 2 3 years down the line right it's just so massive and all this stuff and it's perfect for the fans it's great for the fans 
Um, the fans of that mythos. But as somebody just watching these shows, right. as they're trying to grow exactly. their audience. Right. It's a hell of a lot of loose ends. Plus, as the further this show goes on, the less consequential those three episodes, first three episodes become. I, it, the way they did it in four, I think, in five, or maybe it was just five. I don't think they needed to dedicate three full episodes to to the sitcominess to understand. I mean, it answered why the sitcoms were there, right? And it answered why she made the sitcoms. But I don't think having not, I don't think if they took away those three episodes, I don't think that it would have made episode eight any less impactful. Right, because we would have known she's been broadcasting. Like, if we got teases, the teases of her maybe manipulating stuff and controlling stuff, you know. But I don't think they needed to dedicate an hour and a half to it, you know. I would just say, as someone who loved the sitcom stuff, like I'm a proponent of letting them do the sitcom stuff just for the sake of the sitcom stuff. Yeah, I just adored those so much. I don't even care if it totally advanced the plot. Furthermore, I think it totally depends on what the twins are and how the twins function. If the twins are just like something Wanda wanted so she created them, awesome. But if the twins are a part of a bigger mystery or another character, you know, we've talked about the traditional relationship with Mephisto. Even if it's not Mephisto, if the twins are somehow propelling the narrative forward in a way we don't understand yet then I think those episodes feel better because they're part of how we get Billy and Tommy. After the aerospace engineer thing, maybe they're just nothing burger at all. Maybe they're just two regular kids with superpowers, you know, and we've already seen what they are and all that. What, this is the other thing. I mean, we we did the same exact thing with Endgame, you know. We, we knew Thanos snapped, um... And took it away, so there was all this talk. I mean, is Endgame going to be a, an entirely new, different villain? You know, is Annihilus bringing the Annihilation Wave because half of Earth is gone and it's it's more vulnerable? Is Galactus coming, or is it the Living Tribunal, or what? And Marvel always—I don't want—I I don't want to say plays it safe, but each like Endgame was a perfectly understandable method they went. It's the same exact stuff we've seen. Um, and we're coming, WandaVision's introduced zero stuff from the multiverse. We've gotten nothing from Quicksilver. Evan Peters is playing some random Westview guy, right? He's got to be, or he's just flat out an avatar that Agatha managed to create. Or so I don't think he's 20th century Fox, um, Quicksilver, which is going to set Reddit on fire, by the way, if you two venture venture to reddit at all i don't care man like you cannot go into these things because this is where marvel fandom is gonna start to tick me off like the star wars people tick me off like everybody hated last jedi because it's like well that's not who i thought ray would be dude it's not you're not the writer like why do you want to be the writer why like why do you want to understand what's 
people are like, well, if it's not if it's not Fox's Quicksilver, Fox's Quicksilver isn't that good. That's right, I said it. I don't. It was yeah, kind of I a don't. clever scene the first time, but he turned into an omnipotent character by being overpowered just for some visual kicks, and so they could play Eurythmics. It sucked. It wasn't that good. It's okay that we don't get Fox's Quicksilver. Right. So the thing is, Marvel has gotten away with not doing what fans wanted because it's always provided something better. You know, like, yes, you guys were all speculating this twist, but you never even thought about this. You know, you never even thought about Thor decapitating Thanos in the first 10 minutes of the movie. And, you know, and it moving on and all of this stuff. And getting a Thanos from a different timeline, blah, blah, blah. Like, so it has to pay off. So I think if in every movie we could stop at a certain point and have the discussion before we saw the end of the movie, we would be this frustrated. That's fair, yeah. All right, there's a couple things I want to get to. We've been going a while now. Um, So Wanda's powers, I've seen people say it both ways. Did you understand that Wanda really stopped the bomb from going off when she was a little kid? Or did the bomb just not go off? I assumed she stopped it because... Agatha said she's had powers all along, right? And the, the Mind Stone just amplified it? Yeah, but then Wanda said no, it was just a bad bomb. Like, Wanda immediately disagreed with it. See, I think she stopped it, but all she right. didn't know she was stopping it. I think it's right. one of those, like, the young mutant type things where the mutants don't realize that they're doing what they're doing. Like, I think she did stop it, but it wasn't like she conscientiously stopped it. Does she partially think that that's why... Her and Vision are a thing is because they were both born of the Mind Stone kind of stuff. And she doesn't want to give that part of it up. I don't think it's that deep, yo. Yeah. It might be after that bedroom scene. Which, why they did not show us their first kiss. They were, I thought that they were totally going to to set that up. I thought we were going to get some sexy time. And by that, and by that for vision, I meant a hug. (laughs) (laughs) See, I you know we've talked this like we talked about in our Chris or uh, holiday episode. Like, uh, to me, it was more significant that it didn't have to go. Like, you know, like emotional connection is romantic as well. You know, no, I think I think it was. I mean, I'm not. I like I said that those parts I enjoyed very much for what they were. Um. I did think, I mean, this, to me, this did set up, like, everybody wants to hear the word mutant. I don't have to hear the word mutant. To me, this episode tells us there's mutants in the MCU. Wanda and Pietro are mutants. There's a reason why they didn't respond to the Mind Stone the way everybody else did, and it's because they have mutant powers. And in the same way that Quill is half-celestial, but we didn't know that, but being half celestial allowed him to touch the power stone and not be killed. Being a mute, like it, it wasn't like a retcon. I mean, that's just Quill was always in James minds, half celestial. And so to me, Wanda's a mutant. We know she's a mutant. She was able to stop that bomb because she was a mutant. And that's why she survived the time stone is, or the, the mind stone is because she's a mutant. But then that takes away all of the chaos magic stuff. Right? Like, the then the magic's not something you learn. It's something, or practice. It's something you're born. I mean, Scarlet Witch isn't even a mutant in the comics anymore. 
you know so i'm not even i'm still not convinced she is one in the mcu yet i think she was just born with abilities or read a tome she wasn't supposed to once the tv broke or something so adam if you're saying she's not a mutant she's just a person who was born with superpowers uh, okay that means to me six of one one half dozen the other we can split the difference that's fine or I mean, she she got them somehow, or her mom taught it to her, uh, or, or she got them somehow. So maybe we're going to learn about her lineage being a little bit different than previously advertised. But then again, if she's the child of a mutant, that makes her a mutant. Yeah. Well, and also, I mean, Wiccan and Speed are weird because they're not really biological children exactly or maybe they are we don't know how that works but Wiccan and Speed are effectively mutants as well because they have powers just because that's the way they were born because of who their mom is if Monica wasn't born with her powers is she still a mutant because I mean like she's got her powers because her cells mutated but if she wasn't born with them is she quote unquote a mutant or is she just a super powered person I think in science terms, she's a mutant, but in Marvel terms, like Hulk isn't considered a mutant, even though obviously his gamma gamma radiation like changed his his DNA. Yeah. And Michael T. Ford is pointing out like the Scarlet Witch thing, because Agatha treated that as though there was a mythology that a person would be born the Scarlet Witch type thing so that she was born as the Scarlet Witch magic and being a mutant are not totally separate in the comics like if you've been reading the excalibur comics out of this dawn of x uh hickman stuff like there's been a whole conversation that in the magic community they don't call them mutants they call them witch breeds they say that like there's a inherent connection between mutants and magic and apocalypse has been pursuing how mutants should be inherently more capable of wielding magic than a non-mutant. I'm already tired of Wolverine and Cyclops and Jean Grey. If we if they can introduce mutants and not do those three damn people, I mean, I'll, I'll be fine with it. But every time someone says mutants, it's always that damn trio. And we just seen enough, man. It's I forget who it was. I want to say it's Mister Sunday Movie, maybe that basically said it's kind of funny how people keep talking about how great the Fox movies are. But yet we already have our best Dark Phoenix story ever, and it's called WandaVision. And they tried it twice at Fox, and it sucked. And they've done it once here on at Marvel, and it's been awesome. <laughs> and it's not even a movie thing. It's just Wolverine's every... He's he's like Deadpool, man. He's There was one time where they Marvel seriously had 12 Deadpool titles ongoing at the same time. It's just nuts. I don't know. It's just tires. I don't even care about the X-Men the way it is, so... Maybe that's just my personal anti-bias. If they don't do Nightcrawler, I mean, that's the only X-Man I give two shit about, so. I think we've talked about most everything. I mean, the only other thing I wanted to, I mean, the house. So I feel like it was very not described, but Vision bought her a piece of land in New Jersey that had the foundations of a house on it. So we know Vision bought it? Like that thing in her car came from Vision? So it's weird because we don't know how it got in her car. Yeah. There is the heart and it's signed V. Like there is, uh, it's like a place for us to grow or something like that. Grow old and yeah. So she believes that Vision gave it to her. In his, 
his name's on the deed, so he, they could also get, like, he signs legal documents, too, and, like, how's... Because the deed flat out says Wanda Maximoff and the Vision. So I'm just... I just find it interesting that somewhere out there the Vision has, like, a social security number. <laughs> like... You can engage I think for in people like that, it's called a tax ID number. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like, birth certificate, is that... I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Does he have like a birth certificate or? And if she dies, can they hand it on to Billy and Tommy? Or yeah, do they what's... have legal status? Are they technically Sokovian? Citizens I do or... like how they <laughs> they showed more post snap. Like we got the uh, harbor or whatever in Endgame and the support group, but here they actually showed like small town America and the stagnant pool and how run down everything was okay that just convinced me to go back and rewatch because i missed all those details and yeah she's dry and those roads who made those roads she's like dry has to turn five times on a single damn road on some soundstage studio set or something but yeah she drives through westview and it's just junky maybe it's junky because that's just kind of how some rules places are signed from that rule person the other thing we didn't talk about is we finally have white vision. Like we thought mm-hmm. that we were going to get like the white ghost vision and now we have it. And I'm, what I'm most fascinated about is the efficacy of her magic. When real vision, who's actually made out of vibranium fights with Westview vision, like will he obviously overpower him or will they be of equal strength? Or are they only of equal strength as long as they're within the hex? Like, how much has she really been able to bend reality? Can she create... Because, like, the the Kevlar thing, like, she created Kevlar clothes, but she had to have Kevlar to start with. So is Westview Vision actually as strong as Vibranium? And if so, can she just, like, produce Vibranium by alchemy? And if so, they're not going to like that in Wakanda. Like, I'm just very fascinated... To see our vision versus vision fight. The first thing I dropped in Slack, work Slack yesterday, is that's the perfect James Spader cameo. You take away his color and his personality, and what's left is Ultron voice. Oh. That would, it would just be the, the perfect way to uh, bring him in. It'll look weird have seeing his uh, voice come through vision, but I just think it... Plus Wanda hearing that again, you know, is is going to... We just have so much stuff. We have the Visions fighting, then we have Agatha versus, versus the family, and maybe, I mean, Monica's still out there, and maybe Pietro is somewhere too, unless he's the bunny, and the bunny ate the bird, you know? I don't know. There's just a lot of, uh, a lot of stuff to go on. Yeah, and it seems that the actor that Paul Bettany's wanted to work with all his life was himself, which it kind of is like, wah, wah, wah. But it's also, it makes sense, and it's kind of funny, and I, I don't begrudge him that joke. <laughs> oh, did he, I mean, is that, was, did he say that that's what it was? No, I mean, no, but, I mean, you think they would do two visions and then someone else still? Al Pacino Mephisto, as Twitter wants? <laughs> Yeah, it just people are assuming that when he he was just being tongue in cheek, uh, an actor I wanted to work with my entire life, he wanted to work with himself. Mm-hmm. He's being a narcissist, you know. And that launched the internet into a manhunt where they found quotes from him from a decade ago, 
where he listed people he's always wanted to work with. I will say this as a kind of a final note, but this sets up they might not introduce multiverse stuff here, but I mean this does this is gonna end up making Doctor Strange two one of the biggest movies Marvel's ever made. Oh yeah, people will be ready for it. How how under lock that's the only thing we haven't got set photos from that's in production. They're filming it like entirely on sound stages and it's just super hush hush. This may be crazy, but it is interesting that the Dick Van Dyke show episode she loves is one where it's all just a dream. And it would be very interesting if there's a nightmare reveal coming. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. That'd be nice. Who would you have play Nightmare? Let's. We gonna do our Wizards of the Coast or Wizard Magazine? Uh, it, you know, to me, it would make sense to be. Uh, I don't know. Evan I think it could be Evan Peters. It'd be interesting. Yeah, I saw someone say Mark Hamill because they took the Luke Skywalker comment literally, and, and also that makes sense. Hamill's oh, yeah. been Nightmare a- in right, animation, the comic, yeah. So that uh, that's kind of the headcanon stuff now. Either or, I mean. All right, this episode is uh, a good length, but it's going to be a beast to edit. So (laughs) I'm going to jump to uh, the mailbag quickly because we are getting lots of great interaction over on the website. Um, Dave was agreeing with us. It would be a retrospective episode this week, and we were right. Um, uh, He's also curious about Dottie and whether or not Dottie is just a red herring or if there is still something about when Agatha said, um, you know, like she was the key to the town, so to speak. Uh, and it is, that is one of the things Dottie was also the only person who didn't appear on the bulletin board, as I remember. Mm-hmm. So that is, uh, a thing that would be kind of interesting if they picked up, um, love waffle. What was even the point of Disney buying Fox? If they aren't going to do an episode of WandaVision in the style of the Simpsons or the, or family guy. Uh, that's, that's interesting. I, I am, I do think they were more explicit about the Adams family stuff. I guess Adams family was one of the, uh, DVDs in the, uh, the Maximoff family suitcase. So I thought that was, uh, a send up. They made more clear, uh, over on Twitter after we were talking about, uh, I encourage people to listen to our podcast. Got a nice tweet from, uh, at Kazakun forever. Uh, as a longtime listener, I can tell you it's a phenomenal podcast. So thank you very much. We appreciate those kind words. Um, we also heard from, wanted to make sure I get the, oh, somebody at Vibrant Chroma uh, is a real big Danny Elfman fan. So uh, he was super excited about my feelings on Danny Elfman. But You did send us a 10 minute um, Danny Elfman, like, uh, like. I don't know, video to it. And yes, I recognize all that music. It's very recognizable, but people can change. Yeah. Uh, Nathan Milner on um, Twitter also mentioned, I didn't know this, but Danny Elfman helped Brian Tyler work on the age of Ultron score. Um, So he was confident that he can work within the MCU well and not be too kind of overly distinctive. Um. And then also at uh, Manuel Whitkey, he was the guy that t- uh, asked us about uh, doing our homework that we kind of made fun of. Uh, and he was just uh, uh, being nice and saying, I love your show and all that stuff. So sorry, Manuel, if we tease no, you No, please too much hold us it. accountable because we are supposed to be very professional. 
And we aren't, so we should be held accountable. It was funny. Manuel was in my head when I started saying that I thought there was purple magic to Cassilius. I know there is around his eyes, but now I'm starting to think that he made like green runes, maybe. Or was that just the time stone? That's just the time stones. Green. I think he did the orange, the classic orange thing. So is that like, is that, are they, they like languages and like the orange is something and the blue is like a different language or dialect or i don't this is just gonna be like uh eight years earlier and spider-man uh, it is it is it'll yeah. never be addressed it yes won't. they'll never fix it they'll never tell us there'll never be an official marvel handbook that explains the colors of the magic and it's gonna just tick us off uh michael t ford has been with us the whole time um, we just got a comment uh, on our facebook page from somebody that just listened to our dc bizarro world podcast okay (laughs) and asked us to do stuff like that again in the future so who knows who knows yeah i started watching my hero academia so maybe we could have an anime one or something at some point oh if it was totally forgot we did that if it wasn't the same week as falcon winter soldier we could do another dc one for um snyder cut but that would also require me to sit through four hours of snyder that would require yeah i'm not doing that uh oh that's interesting uh, Michael T. Ford was saying some of his friends online were saying that there should be a Dick Van Dyke cameo, which would be unbelievable. Dick be Van Dyke incredible. as Nightmare. If they had Dick Van Dyke <laughs> as Nightmare, Marvel take my money forever. I'm buying the Funko Pop immediately. There still are three more Funkos to be revealed. One's probably Agatha. One's probably White Vision. Super. I did buy an Agatha All Along t-shirt this week. Did you? It's just like a cartoon of her and just says Agatha all along. So uh, he also, I thought this was great. He thinks it's interesting. Maybe that Fietro is Wu's witness. Cause we still don't know who was in, um, who was Wu's, you know, person. So that would be. Another one also, of the unanswered loose ends. Probably maybe. He, I don't know. He also asked, do we think Hayward was trying to get Wanda to bring vision back in the sword facility? And yes, a hundred percent. I think he was trying to goad Wanda oh, totally into bringing him back to life. Totally, 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 totally. That, yeah, we're gonna have to do like a rewatcher. So in the break between Falcon and Winter Soldier, and this, we'll have to rewatch it again and, and dissect it more because I think there's much more clues than we've all picked up on. All right, so we did Twitter, did the website, did the live stream. I think that is all mailbag. Guys, thanks for talking. Uh, if you're new to the podcast, I hope you enjoyed this week. Uh, we had a good time doing it. So, uh, If you are new, we do have a Patreon. We do that to help support the show and just pay our hosting fees and stuff like that. It is on patreon.com slash marvelnewsdesk. If you're at the $5 or above um, tier, like Michael T. Ford here, you can watch these videos live and interact with the show. We really enjoy that. We usually film on Saturday mornings. Um, if you are... Uh, at less than $5, you still get to see that video of us doing the live show unedited. It just goes up 12 hours to 24 hours later, depending on what's going on in my life. And then um, if you don't want to pay anything and don't want to be a patron, that's cool too. The show we try to put up about Sunday evening every week. And again, that's just all depending on if I have other things going on in my life or not. But uh, it's usually there. Uh, our theme music comes from Alvin. He's on a variety of social media platforms at The Skull School. Tim V. Cox is the uh, guy who designed our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And we appreciate their help in making the show over the years. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll see you guys later. <laughs>